Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Call Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before we begin today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I have the pleasure of serving. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Well, today I'm so thankful to have joining me uh, Herb Van Essen. He is the pastor at Wilton Church, which is a church located in Wilton, Ontario, um, a couple hours away from me, but actually is a, a, a family uh, connection through through my parents, back through his family, um, back to many years ago in Wooler, Ontario. But thank you so much for joining me today, Herb. It's wonderful to be here. Well, let's just uh, get right into it. I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are, your background, and what you felt your call into the pastoral ministry was. All right. All right. Well, uh, being raised in a small town um, and with a very, very strong Christian family, um, God was very central in our family. And when I was about five years old, my parents, who were raised in the church in Holland, um, were good churchgoers. You know, Sunday was a wonderful, you know, sort of, uh, religious day. But when I was about five years old, they had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ through some um, just wonderful, wonderful, loving uh, Christian folks. And uh, they realized that there was more to this God thing than just Sunday morning and Sunday night. Hmm. And so that literally transformed their lives. I would say literally transformed their lives because my sister, who was 17 years old at the time, I'm the youngest uh, of five kids, so uh, I was only five years old at the time. But she was 17, and uh, many years later, as we were moving mom and dad out of the house that we'd lived in for many, many years, uh, four boys, so one sister, four of us younger boys, were talking about growing up in that home, having mom and dad as parents, and she was quite silent. And then all of a sudden, in a lull in the conversation, said, you guys grew up with different parents than I had. Mm. And so understanding that really sort of sets a foundation for me for explaining the call to ministry. I did not receive a call as a young person. Um, as a teenager, I was involved in Christian fellowship in high school, uh, went off to local college, became a, a land surveyor while I was at that college, served as the president of the Christian fellowship group there and served on student council. So there, there were, there were signs there was some leadership stuff happening, although I wasn't thinking I would be heading into full-time ministry. My parents for 16 years had a prison ministry every Wednesday night, a Bible study in the local penitentiary. And uh, so to them, it was life was all about serving the Lord Jesus Christ in one form or another. Um, and uh, it was either, you know, boys and girls clubs, Christian boys and girls clubs, or prison ministry, or my oldest brother ran a Christian bookstore uh, for many, many years. We, our family was always involved in ministry of some mm -hmm. form. And, uh, but not, not that I was thinking I would do that. And uh, so I met uh, Diane, my wife now, uh, at college, and uh, she's also a born again Christian. And uh, we started journeying life together. Um, we moved to uh, Kingston, a local local city in the area here, and uh, started attending a free Methodist church and became members of that church and slowly began to involve ourselves in the life of the church. 
Um, well, maybe not so slowly. Within a year, I was on the board. I was the youngest person on the board. Um, I was teaching young adult Bible study, uh, being a young adult myself. <laughs> the pastor, I don't know. I think he knew something was going on long before I ever did. He just, he asked me, he just said, here's the book we're doing as adults. Would you teach this on Tuesday nights to the young adults? And I went, okay. Um, but he saw potential there. I was leading the Sunday night song services as well. And uh, it was interesting. One Sunday night, standing behind the pulpit, a thought went through my brain. I wonder what it would be like to communicate the word of God hmm. over this. Not that I thought I would do it. But I wondered what that would feel like. And uh, oh, wow, I, my, my brain goes back to that moment. I'm almost standing there. I can picture myself standing there mm. right now. Mm. So then it was in the, uh, the summer of uh, 1985 in which the person who normally did the little children's story before they were excused out of the church to go to children's church wasn't able to be there, asked me if I would do a little children's story. So I did. And uh, that Sunday after church, we were invited out to a retired couple's cottage. They inv always invited young people. They love to be around young people, always, you know, so they had a big barbecue. And uh, so we were having a great time out at the cottage. And then a fellow by the name of Joe Schaefer, he's a free Methodist, retired now, I think, pastor. Um, he uh, said, hey, Herb, let's go fishing. So the canoe, we went out in the middle of Sydenham Lake. I'm sitting in the front. He's sitting in the back. And uh, he said, Herb, you ever thought of preaching the word? I just about fell out of the canoe. <laughs> and I know the Lord has forgiven me, but I lied. I said, no, because I was, I was scared. I was afraid. But I had, I had had that one moment of wondering what it would feel like. Not that I thought I would preach, but what would that feel like? So... I had kind of answered the question truthfully, but not really. It was a kind of a 50-50. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. And so he said, well, you should think about it. You'd be good at it. Hmm. Well, hey, I had my job. You know, I was I was land surveying. It was, I was enjoying the work. And uh, so then that night, that Sunday night, back to church again. That's back in the day when we had Sunday night church. Very few have it now. But, uh, but uh, two ladies of the church they were prayer warriors they for lack of a better word accosted me in the front foyer of the church before church and they said that little story you shared with the kids this morning that was so wonderful you weren't just talking to the kids you were talking to us as well hmm. we've been praying about you we feel like god's calling you into the ministry oh like it was just Oh, Moses in front of the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really answer them. And they just turned and kindly walked away. They didn't press the issue. But the one said, we're going to keep praying for you. Now, when a gray-haired old lady says she's going to keep praying for you, 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 you may as well just give up right then and there. Anyway. <laughs> mm. um, so then a few weeks later, we're... Uh, a bunch of us guys are working at the church, building these tables out of a single sheet of plywood, screwing some legs on the bottom. And Sylvester Hamilton, God bless him. He was like a grandpa to us and uh, a spiritual grandfather. He took me aside uh, during coffee break and he said, 
He said, Herb, in my prayer times for you and Diane, I feel like God is saying to me that he's calling you into the ministry. Oh, boy. How many times am I going to bump into this? Like, And so I was kind of gently sort of trying to brush him off on that. I said, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know. And it, it started to eat away. Like, it was almost like digging away underneath the foundations of some kind of defense I was trying to hold mm -hmm. up against this. Again, Moses in front of the burning bush. Send somebody else, God, not me. About a week later, um, Sylvester Hamilton's son, Richard, um, there was a, a single doorway from the sanctuary into the hall, and he stopped right in the middle of the doorway and wouldn't let me through. And he had this weird look on his face. And I said, Richard, are you okay? Well, no. It's for a couple of weeks now. Anytime I've been praying for you and Diana, the Lord has been telling me to talk to you. And I said, oh, I wasn't sure if I'm going to get a reprimand. I'm a young, like, a kid. I'm 20 what? 22, 23 maybe. And uh, he's probably in his late 50s. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, you know, maybe in trouble. Maybe I did something, said something I shouldn't have. I don't know. And he goes, every time I pray for you guys, God is telling me he's calling you into the ministry. Oh, I, I wanted to run so bad. Hmm. I managed to keep my composure. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. I, again, I think I was lying because I don't think I really prayed. I might have yelled at God about it. I didn't really pray about it. Mm -hmm. But yelling at God is sometimes praying too, right? Yep. So, <laughs> uh, so we just... I was getting, it was building and building and building and I, and I, the pressure hmm. and it wasn't like I was thinking, thinking that I needed to yield to it. I just didn't want this for, for whatever reason, like again, Moses in front of the burning bush. And so, uh, it was about another week later. Um, we're starting up young adult Bible study and, uh, Two sisters, Carol and Ramona Kavash, they, uh, we, we had the Bible study in their apartment. And, uh, oh, I need, sorry, I need to back up. My timing's just off a bit. So we're in now the beginning of September. I walk into work one day. Now, I've worked for this company for three years, this survey company. Asked for significant raises and got them. Never told my work was good, bad, or indifferent. It was just keep doing your work. And the raises seemed to say that I was doing good work. And uh, one morning I'm sitting at my desk, I'm doing drafting and, and stuff like the survey plans. And an envelope comes over my shoulder with my name on the front. He said, open that, read it and come into my office. And I opened it, looked at it. It's my, you know, pink slip, my se you know, separation payment, all the stuff. And I'm fired. And uh, so I go in and talk to him for a while. And uh, I figured out later some of the reasons why I, I had made one major misstep, misstep. I felt it was unfair. He could have come and talked to me about it and said, listen, you know, we can't have this, you know, we could, but I also realized there were some other political things going on in the, in that office environment that I just, yeah, but this was God's way of pulling the rug out from underneath me. Hmm. Um, my mom would often say, sometimes the only way God can get us to look as look up is when we're flat on our backs. Hmm. Um, and so I was literally flat on my back. I got in the car and I'm just bawling and I'm thinking, okay, it's eight thirty, quarter to nine in the morning. I don't want to 
disturb Diane at work. What do I do? So I drive up to the parsonage, which is right beside the church. I park in the parking lot there, and I knock on the door of the church. And the pastor looks at me and goes, do you want to come in? And I said, yeah, and I'm just bawling, right? <laughs> so I get my enough composure to tell him I just got fired from my job. And uh, so um, he kind of, we talk back and forth, and he says, well, I got to pray. I got a zone meeting I'm over at the church very shortly. Right then, the front doorbell rings. And so he goes and answers the front door, and it's Sterling Cooper. He's the pastor of a church about 30 miles north of, of Kingston. He's there for the zone meeting. He had been sitting in the parking lot in his car waiting for 9 o'clock or what, 9 o'clock. Yeah, no, it was 930. Um, anyway, whatever time the meeting was going to start, I think it might have been 10. But anyway, he, he was waiting, debating whether to go in the house or wait until the church was unlocked and go in for you know early coffee or whatever. And so he finally decided, I'm going to go into the house. And so he walks in, we're introduced quickly, and my pastor tells him quickly what, what's transpired. Oh, he said, okay. So we start praying. The back door opens and somebody sneaks in and sits down. I kind of peek and it's Angel Valentine. He's another free Methodist pastor from, you know, for the zone meeting. And my pastor finishes praying, looks up and says, Herb, I feel like God is telling me to lay hands on you and pray for you. Oh, cool. You get three pastors to lay hands on you. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> so I scoop my chair ahead. They get in behind me. My pastor on my head, Sterling Cooper on this shoulder, Angel Valentine on this shoulder, and they pray up a storm. I'll tell you what happened. It was like God took out the plugs out of my big toes and all the pain, the worry, the fear drained out, out of my big toes, and the Holy Spirit just absolutely filled me from top down with peace. I mean, I, I, the peace doesn't even describe it. It's a word way beyond that. And I no longer had to worry about what was going to happen tomorrow or the next day or next month. It was done. What God had taken care of whatever was going on inside of me. So they left and I stayed for a, a bit more coffee with the pastor's wife until I kind of calmed down enough to be able to drive. And anyway, so fast forward now to about two weeks later, doing the young adult Bible study and Carol and Ramona Kavash, it's their apartment. And uh, after the Bible study, uh, they asked if we could just stay for a few minutes. Sure. And, uh, they're very, very seriously sitting down face to face with us, my wife and I, Diane. They said, Herb, it's not because you just lost your job. But we've been thinking for a while now. And both of us separately have prayed about this. And we both got the same thing. We started to talk to each other just a few days ago. We believe God's calling you into the ministry. Now, hello. You would think by now I'd say, okay, I get it. No, 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 no. It's kind of like, well, I'd like to tell, because my heritage is Dutch, why do Dutch people wear wooden shoes, keep the woodpeckers from their heads, you know, uh, blockhead. I just wasn't getting that. And I, inside, I was running from the call. I, I knew God was doing something, but it was way beyond me. And uh, uh, so that Sunday night, 
in church testimony time, I stood up and shared with folks that I had even been fired from my job. There was this collective. <laughs> and uh, I said, but that's okay because God had given me a peace, a peace beyond anything I could describe. And uh, so my pastor at the end of service during closing him, he said, anybody who wants to come to the altar for prayer. Well, he knew I wanted to be there because I, I knew I had to take, drive a stake in the ground to say, okay, God, I, I'm, my future is yours. I'm trusting you with this. I don't know what it looks like yet. And, uh, and as I'm kneeling at the altar and pouring my heart and my eyes out to God, I feel this arm come around my shoulder and I turn to look and here I'm looking in the face of a gentleman by the name of Pastor Alan Lyle. He's a medically retired. He had a brain tumor. He's being treated at the local hospital for cancer, brain, brain tumor. And uh, he was one of the most quiet, mild-mannered men you'd ever want to meet. I mean, he would hardly say boo to anybody. And he said to me, Herb, while you were standing up testifying about losing your job, I felt is though I should have stood up and told you that everything is being going to be okay because God is calling you into the ministry. Oh. He took one look at my eyes and he said, this isn't the first time you've heard it, is it? I said, no, it's not. Oh, hallelujah. He goes, thank you, Jesus. Now, he said, promise me one thing. Don't run from the call. Well, I was running internally. Hmm. But he said to me that when God called him into the ministry, he ran from the call for 16 years. And he said life was miserable, absolutely miserable until he surrendered to the call. Hmm. But he said, if it isn't the call of God in your life and you go for it, your life's going to be miserable. If it is the call of God and you don't go for it, your life is going to be miserable. Promise me you won't run from the call hmm. I said okay I promise and God needed me at that moment to make that promise because hmm. I had to verbally speak it to another human being that was Sunday night Wednesday morning I go to my pastor I phone him and ask can I come in and see you sure I sit down in his office I said here's what's been happening and I go all the way back to that Sunday morning in the canoe or Sunday afternoon in the canoe where Joe Schaefer said, Did, you know, you ever thought of preaching the word? Uh, the two ladies that Sunday night, the Sylvester Hamilton, Richard Hamilton, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And he's smiling. The more I talk, the more he smiles. I said, and by the way, his name is Ken Roth. I'd like to use these folks' names because I, I don't know. I just, I believe there's, there's a blessing that God wants on their life for what they did in obedience to God's, you know, God's word to them. But Ken Roth, he, he's still, he's still uh, living, he's retired and living up near Ottawa. Um, he said, that morning you got fired from your job. You showed up at the house and Sterling Cooper, I said, who? Well, the first minister that walked in our house. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know his name. He said, uh, Sterling Cooper said to me that during the whole zone meeting, all he could think of that whole morning over and over again was he heard 
I'm calling that young man into ministry. I'm calling that young man into ministry. Hmm. Well, that Tuesday, that was, that was uh, the Wednesday. The night before is when I said to God, God, all these people are telling me I'm being called in the ministry. I need somebody who doesn't know me to tell me I'm supposed to be going in the ministry. Well, that was two weeks before God set me up. And I'll tell you what, it was just like a lightning bolt hit the top of my head, blew my socks off. My first reaction was, get out of here now. My second thought immediately behind that, that was the Holy Spirit saying, you promised Alan Lyle at the altar Sunday mm. night you wouldn't run. Mm. Okay. My pastor gets out his journal, his spiritual journal, and he points to six months previous. And he said, do you want to read the entry in my book, my devotional journal? I said, sure. And in there, it's had my name. God is calling him into the ministry. Hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, I'll tell you what, brother, that the strength of that call hmm. has solidified. That was that was 85. We went into studies for 86. I've been a pastor now since 1989. That's what, 34 years the strength of that call has held like a rock underneath me for 34 years. God called me into this. And he's the only one who can call me out. Mm. He's the one who says, you're done. Either retire or I'm taking you home. That's mm. the only two ways I'm getting out of, mm. out of pastoral <laughs> ministry. And I haven't heard retire yet. I'm not quite 65, but I'm approaching it but i don't expect and if god gives me the health i don't expect to retire out of that and uh so that was the that was the moment in my pastor's office where god finally said okay now let's go let's mm. let's start this journey into ministry so mm. yeah that was you know what eight nine people different different people one i didn't even know mm. who said uh god's calling in the ministry mm. wow wow and that that's so obvious now looking back you know in in the moment you know maybe you know you're you're trying to turn it away turn it down not recognize it uh, absolutely and now you're able to look back and you see god's hand so clearly uh no question pointing through and directing through that's just amazing and i'm i, I hope that that's an encouragement because what we want to do here is be an encouragement to those interested pursuing or already in the pastoral ministry. And, and maybe for somebody who's listening, maybe you are feeling that maybe not even nudge, maybe you're feeling that push and that scream, uh, that you are being called into ministry. Uh, and this is what, how you need to respond. Um, cause I'm sure we've all met people who we, we know they should have been in the ministry uh, we know that just from even them saying it themselves, maybe God called them and they refuse to follow that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, when you're built for something and then you do something different, you know, it doesn't breed, breed positive things. And so nope. uh, it's just amazing to hear such a clear story of so many people pointing out, this is what you're called to. And then so wonderful to hear about you following that. Joel, can I, I want to mention, especially one thing. I am thankful for people who heard from the Lord clearly and were not afraid to tell me. Hmm. 
not thinking in there, oh, wow, that just must be my brain. That That's just weird, you know. Mm-hmm. They were not afraid to speak it. And I'm wondering if there might be people out there in churches who are seeing a young person or maybe even a middle-aged person, mid-career, and they get a sense in their spirit that, you know, I, you know, maybe they hear, I'm calling that person in ministry, and they, oh, well, that's weird. No, I, I'd be embarrassed if I told them and they, you know, shut me down. Or I, I, I don't know if if that's happening now, but I, I sense that that might hmm. happen to somebody, and it might be the very thing that God needs you to step out in faith and say to hmm. somebody. You know, I feel in my spirit, God said He's calling you. He's calling you to some form of, and, and most of the folks who told me didn't know if it was necessarily pastoral ministry, although there were two that specifically said pastoral ministry. And so it, it could be some other form of ministry that God is, is wanting someone called to. And, uh, and they're having a Moses moment in front of a burning bush going, nope, 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 mm-hmm. nope. I mean, five times he, nope, send mm-hmm. somebody else, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, maybe there's maybe there's somebody out there who's just had that nudge, that sense that they should say something to somebody, but out of fear or hesitancy or you know, not wanting to be rejected mm-hmm. or something, just has held back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let yeah. God take care of Amen. the results, eh? Amen. And especially yeah. as we're moving forward into such, uh, you know, seemingly combative culture, towards towards the church having that call is is going to be so important uh for those to, to remain remain steadfast because because of what you've experienced and gone through you're not going to be easily swayed or turned because you're able That's to look right. back you have that faith that that actual relationship that knowledge of god's faithfulness and all that to to not to oh. not be swayed i don't i don't think i could have there was have been some experiences as a pastoral minister that have really knocked the stuffing out of me. And I, if I, I guess for myself, this just me, had I not had the strength of the call that I had, I might've walked away. Hmm. I might've said, no, this is too tough. I can't do this. Um, but every time, and uh, I can think of one time in particular where I got walked up one side of me and down the other as a young like pastor, just a few years in the ministry. I got strips torn off of me. Oh, and had I not had the strength of the call that I know that I know I'm called, period, end of story, that might have hmm. just said, forget it. I can't, I can't do this. But it's not me. Here, can I share? Oh, I want to share just one story with you if I could, because maybe... Maybe this will help somebody. Bishop Bastian, Donald Bastian, he was the bishop of the Free Methodist Church in Canada. Um, bless his heart. I'll tell you what, God God gave him such wisdom. And uh, it was um, at our annual conference when I came back from a Bible college and got my Bachelor of Theology. I'm serving in a local church that doesn't have a pastor. And uh, just kind of, you talk about a greenhorn. I mean, really, I mean, I, I, I ran a pretend board meeting at college once and then had to run them at church, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm doing the best I can. And I'm feeling totally inadequate. We're at annual conference. The appointments are read out and I'm going to get appointed to this church. And, uh, 
and the altar altar was opened at the end of the, the message and I'm there bawling my eyes out again to the Lord just saying Lord I don't I don't know if I can do this I don't think I can do this and Bishop Bastian's coming to each person in row there were probably 20 of us in that row and he came to each one to pray individually he got to me and he said herb what's going on I said I said Pastor Bastian I can't do this. And I'm just bawling. I can't do this. He goes, I'm glad to hear it. Hmm. I went, what? He said, because that means Jesus will be able to do it through you. Hmm. Oh, yes. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. So I don't know if there's somebody out there thinking that hmm. they got a call and they're thinking, I can't do this. Good. You can't. Only Jesus can do it through mm. you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, rely on him. Amen. Rely on him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I feel like a sermon coming on here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, well, there's a, a Charles Spurgeon quote I love. He talks about living in the Bible, but reading many good books. And of course, thankfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been transformed through the word of God. But what have been some of those good books for you over the years? Uh, one or a couple that you've enjoyed or just really appreciated? Um, the one that I recall somebody passed on to me was called Crucified by Christians by Gene Edwards. Hmm. Uh, I think it has a different title now. I think it might be called Exquisite Agony, but I'm not sure. I don't like that title. I like Crucified by Christians better. And that was passed on to me when I went through a really, really hurtful time by some of the folks in the church. Hmm. And, uh, I started to read that book and the fella said, who designed Christ's crucifixion? His father did. Hmm. If you're going through an excruciatingly painful time right now, it could be that your father has designed a crucifixion for you. Something needs to die. I chucked the book across the room. I literally did. I threw it hmm. across the room and it landed under the TV, ta you know, the table, the TV was on against the wall. And Diane went to pick it up. I said, leave it. I was, oh, I was upset. But, and it stayed there for, what, a day and a half. Every time I sat down in the living room, I'd see that book over there. It was kind of like Holy Spirit was saying, go pick it up. You need that. Hmm. So I did. I finished reading it. And sure enough, there was something that needed to die in me. Hmm. And uh, so that was one significant book. The other hmm. one that I really, really have appreciated is called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. And uh, it's, I think, the best book on forgiveness I've ever read. Mm -hmm. um, and why I say the best book is because he doesn't use, you know, seminary language that goes over my head. Mm -hmm. He uses everyday language to get right to the heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that. Uh, I prefer, you know, using using language that just, yeah, hits you where you're at every day. And uh, so R.T. Kendall's book, uh, Total Forgiveness. Awesome. Well, thank you for the recommendations. Those will be linked in the episode description so people can find those and hopefully benefit uh, from them as you have. So, Herb, thank you so much for joining me, sharing your your call, your passion for the gospel. Um, I hope that it's, uh, you know, inspiring those who are listening, um, who are interested in the ministry. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing today. Well, I... It's a pleasure, all mine, of course. But uh, and I want to, I want to say thank you for doing the ministry you're doing, and uh, 
I just uh, pray blessing on you and continued uh, uh, wisdom and discernment from the Lord as you move forward in, in this ministry and whatever other ministry God's given you. But I think this one's this one's pretty cool. This this really hits close to my heart. As I told you, as we talked on the phone, it really hits close to my heart. And, and I'm trusting that uh, that uh, we'll see many more people, midstream career people even, mm-hmm. or semi-retired people uh, hearing the, the call of God in their life, uh, either through their own heart and spirit or from others to say, God's calling you. Yes. God's calling you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, I also want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us on another episode of the Pastor's Call podcast, where our hope, our goal, our vision is to encourage those who are interested, pursuing, or already in the pastoral ministry by hearing the stories of those who've gone before. You can find our podcast wherever you can find podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else. Please do subscribe so you can find our episodes weekly. And please leave a five-star rating. It'll help others find the show to hopefully be encouraged as well. You can uh, please share this episode with your friends and family. Share it with your pastor. And we'll see you in the next episode. God bless.